Welcome to Relevant Tones. I am your host, Matthew Dozen, and today I am very fortunate to be joined by composer, producer, violist, vocalist, all-around artist, Caroline Shaw. Uh, Caroline, how are you? Good. How are you, Matt? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, so thank you for agreeing to sit down with me and set the time out of your busy schedule. I, I know you have quite a lot going on, um, so really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to musicians. This is great. It's my pleasure. I wish I could do more of it. Um, <laughs> let's see. So I think it might be best to just kind of start out with what you've been up to recently. Um, uh, I recently caught your concert that you did with the Chamber Music Society of Minnesota. Um, and that was a really fun one because it had kind of a whole range of kind of the time timeline of, of your works. Um, uh, is there anything else you've been up to recently that you, that has been really fun or? Well, that, that was a really fun concert for me because I got to just do a few different things that I um, enjoy. I usually don't sing um, and play viola at the same concert. I know I don't usually oh, play sure. Mozart. I haven't played Mozart in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really enjoy it. It's something that I used to do um, a lot before in my in my youth. <laughs> and sure. uh, and it's fun when people, you know, let me uh, join in. So I started to play more um, sort of second viola and string quintets because I can join a join a quartet. And yeah. I'm originally a violinist, but um, I, I think the viola sort of suits me a little bit better. Is there anything, what, what about the viola do you think suits you more? Is it just? I don't know. It's, it's lower. I think as a violinist, I've never, uh, I never enjoyed playing a pie on the E string. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. it's also much more in my, my own vocal range and my speaking range. Oh, sure. It's kind of, you know, a little bit below the treble staff anyway. Um, it's also, you know, the viola sits like in the harmony, it sort of sits in the middle, which you, you get to sort of change the color of the sound and the intonation yeah. and it, you know, from the inside. I really like that rather than being up top. Are you, are you, you're a cellist? Is that right? Yeah, I'm a cellist. So I'm, I, yeah, it, I agree with like everything you've said. I kind of feel the same way. Like it fits more in my vocal range, like, and yeah, being able to control harmony is so much fun. I, I'm sure you've experienced it and you just talked about it in, in those yeah. quintets. It's so much fun to like move the intonation one way or another. Totally. And you as a cellist have so much power. I feel like when I've like in really good quartet playing, everyone plays into the sound of the cello, which is, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think the best, the best quartets I've had a chance to chance to play with or been fortunate enough to it's. They're always like, no, you need to, you need to drive the changes. You need to drive everything. I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's, when, it, when it clicks, it, it really does click. And it's super fun because you're just in the pocket and you feel like you're just driving everything. It's so much fun to do. Totally. Yeah. So um, yeah, you did, you did a Mozart quintet, K516. And then you did like kind of quartets and, and other things, you know, your pieces. Yeah. Was there a particular reason to choose that Mozart or was it just? Um, I think I talked with Ariana Kim, who runs the series about, you know, different quintets that we liked. And I've played the G minor Mozart before as a violinist. I really love it. I love the melodies. I love the shape of it. The um, slow movement is especially beautiful. Yes. And it's also one that you can put together in a slight, you know, shorter amount of time than maybe like a Brahms quintet, those are a little 
was a little trickier. Yeah, there's a little not intricate. That's the wrong word, but it's just there's a little more ensemble work that has to go into things. I feel like. Yeah, it's, it's thick. It's thickly. Yes. Also, usually as a second violist, Brahms will give the second violist and the second violinist all these double stops because he's like, well, I, it, I want some, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, I got to add that extra note. Let me just plop it in there. So you end up playing all these thirds and yep. sixths and it's rough. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little interesting. I remember playing second cello on, on a Brahms sextet. It oh, was like the yeah. second cello part and the second viola part are just brutal fifths like the whole time it's just it's just double stops that's it's like oh no oh no yeah um uh, but the way that i we talked about other pieces on the program ariana Cho, like sort of I was just telling her some of the pieces i'd written and we they did blueprint which is a yes. string quartet of mine that i'd written for um the Isuri quartet when ariana played with them so mm-hmm. she was really involved in the birth of that piece so it was fun to see her play that with um a different group and then there's Thousandth Orange, which is actually a piece that I, I feel comfortable saying that I deeply love. I feel really proud of that piece. It feels like very much me. And um, so I kind of was excited to have that on the program. We did, and they did Valencia, which is the kind yes. of earlier orange cousin to Thousandth Orange. <laughs> yes. At some yeah. point, we're going we're gonna to talk about this food. Oh, yeah. Thing, you know, <laughs> the you, food gotta... thing. <laughs> You've got more than one food involved. We can stick to the oranges for now. But yeah, so yeah. Valencia is kind of the genesis of that. And then Thousandth Orange is a later version. Mm-hmm. And then was Thousandth Orange, Thousandth Orange was written after Blueprint or was it? After, I think. I feel like Blueprint yeah. might have been around 2016. Thousandth Orange was probably mm-hmm. 17, eight, maybe 18. It yeah. feels really recent to me, but also the pandemic like erased two years. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there's... A- there's- there's like this stop at 2019 and then not yeah. really sure what happened after that. Yeah. And then the other, the other piece on the program, just to kind of round it all out is by and by. So that's for string quartet and for voice. Yeah. And that's, that was probably my favorite on the program. Those. Oh yeah. I hadn't heard that before. I'd heard the other ones before, but I hadn't actually heard by and by. And so it just kind of took me by surprise what it was. And it was very, very powerful and very Oh, thank you for saying that. It's a it's a really personal piece that I think has become has become more personal over the years. I I wrote it originally for another friend of mine, Abigail Haynes Lennox, who's a soprano, and the the vocal line was like an octave up. And um, then a couple of years later, someone asked me to, so would you consider singing this yourself? And I so I started to to do it. I don't usually sing solo, and I'm kind of growing with it as a vocalist myself but there was something about that performance that day um I mean I I I, this is the first time in my life when I I almost cried on stage I don't know if you heard my voice crack like I usually really hold it together but it was some you know thinking I just had this moment thinking about what's happening in Ukraine and just the gathering of people in the room and and I suddenly the what I was thinking about which is death and looking to the other side and how thinking about how one lives one's life on this earth and imagining something better it, i i just like kind of lost it for a moment um yeah yeah i i could say in the audience it definitely felt the same way like the audience was very moved by that piece and it was i think that was i've been in some a couple packed spaces packed uh, concert spaces in since we've kind of lifted things and people have been performing and that's that i think that was probably the most if not it it was almost if not the most like moving moment i've had in a concert and it was there was something about it uh i will fly away and it was during that and it was just like there was a moment where like i knew like people around me were like kind of like no one was moving and it was just like Mm -hmm. a really special special moment yeah, it, it's a really, really incredible piece. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
to that home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. write a lot for string quartet it seems and you write a lot for voice of course because you play the violin and the viola and also sing you're in a room full of teeth you know there's it's where you're it seems like you started with performing and what drew you to voice and string quartet and were you were you taking other examples or how did the genesis of that piece come about well that that piece, I, I was, I wrote it in 2010. It's really one of the first things I ever had written is before I, I hadn't studied composition, but I played in a quartet and we had a concert planned and I thought I would really love to write something for my friend Abigail who's this wonderful singer. And, and, um, I barely even knew how, I was like, I had had these ideas in my head of how spacious I wanted it to be, but I didn't quite know how to write that down. So the score is, <laughs> it's like aleatoric, but I, um, 
not entirely clear, but there's something kind of delightful about it. Every time I bring it to new people, I'm like, I, I'm so sorry. This was a, a really early piece of mine. It doesn't quite make sense. I always have to explain it, but there's, it also means that there's a lot of freedom in it. So it's a little different every time. I think yeah. I, I really wanted to, I really like these older songs, but I love I'll Fly Away um, and Will There Be Any Stars in My Crown. I mean, some of those songs were, really featured in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which is that Coen Brothers movie. Yes, yes. The great soundtrack and I think they they also chose um, you know, traditional bluegrass and gospel songs that uh, had a had much much broader reach and were felt very universal, not particularly focused on Jesus <laughs> but more <laughs> a little bit a little bit of a wider view. And and I also sure. I I wanted to sort of bring out a different color in the in the words, which they're they're really about you know reflection on on death and life on this earth. Well, I mean the and how do we um, yeah how do we think about that um, and and I wanted to write something that that gives us or gives myself the space to think about that in a different way. That's both that's reflective and joyful but not um buoyant in the way that usually you hear i'll fly away it's like uh there's something a little the edges are really uneven yeah there's something i think in the way that you i don't know if it's the way you scored it or if it was that performance the way it, was, it happened but there was something you know it's it's not buoyant it, there is a joy there but it's not like this overt bubbly joy it's it's something that comes with this deep deep knowledge and sadness as well and there's there's something there that i think is really really prescient in the way that it's written i think it's yeah that's that's how i felt about it it sounds yeah yeah i appreciate that but I, there's I, I was thinking about later i um in 2018 i think uh i wrote piece called narrow sea which is for yes. uh, another soprano don upshaw and so percussion which is kind of like the um the young it's like the younger cousin of by and by it's um <laughs> oh, continuing okay. that like that sort of taking older songs and just the lyrics and mm -hmm. and couching them in a really different environment and that piece was written as a to be on a program with george crumb's um Wing, Winds of Destiny, which is part of his oh, American Songbook series, which yeah. is, and I realized I must have been somewhat aware of Crumb's work with American Song somewhere in my mind when I wrote By and By as well, although I don't remember, I don't remember that, but George Crumb did this sort of similar thing. It's like, here's this older song, let me, and he kept the the melody the same, he would keep, but he would, of course, create his own beautiful, strange sound world around that. Um, so I feel I feel a real kinship to to him rest his mm -hmm. soul. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. Are So you mentioned you mentioned George Crumb. Are there I'm not sure if on this program there are any, but I mean in general do you do you find yourself not imitating or maybe not even emulating but just kind of other composers that you've studied, listened to, performed do, do their ideas work their way into your music and how does that come about? I, th I think I, I like writing from a place of, of love and loving something so much and loving music so much and wanting to create something that moves me in the way that other things have. And I, I often think I'm very moved by older music. So we can have a, like a simple, like, Monteverdi Ritornello that will like crush my soul and I could even just think of that sensibility the way that that music makes me feel and I don't want to write something that sounds like Monteverdi for sure but there's something about the let's say the resonance of of those chords and his voicings and instrumentation that um, it's like yeah I want to I want to build something that makes me feel that way which I think people in all music like you read pop music like I want to feel I want to make something that makes me feel feel that way. There are composers that I, I do really respect and admire whose music I don't think I sound like, but I would like to hope that I share a sensibility with like David Lang. I think he has a really beautiful approach to um, thinking of music like art objects. And also, um, I mean, I think I think 
him almost like as a an artist more than just a composer um and he has patience there's a deep patience in his music that i really appreciate yeah. um yeah and arvo parrot i think i had some very very deep um, experiences with arvo parrot in my early 20s when i remember sure. someone first playing Suma. It was like the string trio version of Suma, and we like laid on the floor in someone's apartment, and I yeah. think that changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. I think everybody has something like that where it's like there's that piece where you're just like, how? Yeah, you're just sitting there, and it's like it's like washing over you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. What is that for you? I'm curious. Uh, the one that I would pick out that happened. And I, I remember listening to it my, my freshman year of my undergraduate degree was uh, a Julius Eastman piece, uh, Prelude to the Holy Presence of Joan d'Arc. Oh, and it's yeah. That, and, and then also the, so there's the, the prelude and then the presence. And so there's the, the vocal solo piece and the 12 cello work. Mm -hmm. And like listening to them back to back and like coming off of that vocal piece and then the cello line like starts and it's that 12 cellos just in unison just da, 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 da. and it's like what world have i been brought into now so mm. i think for me that was it and i remember just like sitting there and i was like i was alone and i had headphones on and i had no idea what i had gotten myself into <laughs> and, oh wow yeah so it was really really i think for me that it's that piece mm. amazing so we touched on it a little bit, so let's go over to So Percussion, your collaboration with them. You've done a few things with them now, and that's kind of one of your most, I believe that's your most recent release was with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what's what's that relationship been like? That are, What's the process with working with kind of something that's a little bit different than a string quartet? Yeah, it was... It yeah, it's entirely different. I was thinking, so I was like, how do you start writing a piece of music? And I was like, well, it really depends on kind of what it is. And there's, I think, a giant world between the string quartet and the percussion quartet. But I, I like diving into both. So percussion, they're, I can now say that they're friends of mine. I knew a couple of them in school. And um, we, I'd written a little piece, small piece for them called Taxidermy when I was um, in grad school. And then we um, said, what if we make something larger? And I wrote Narrow Sea for, for them and Don Upshaw and Gil Kalish. And then after sort of working on that, in which case, I w in, in that sense, I was a you know commissioned composer and I was responsible for, for you know, creative designing the piece, really. But really in collaboration with them, they're very you know, curious and generous with their time and encouraged me to try things that I hadn't before. I was actually just talking with Jason Truding, who plays, who's in So Percussion this morning about failure, the idea of like, I felt really um, encouraged to try things and fail and not be embarrassed about it. And it took me, it took me a little while to, to get there, but I really appreciate that. And then we, after we recorded Narrow Sea, we had a little extra time and we decided to just you know, try something in the studio. And we made this version of what is now called its its other song, which is on the record, Let the Soil Play at Simple Part. And we made this whole record of songs that were collaboratively made in some way where no one person was in charge. Or I didn't want to be the composer anymore. I just wanted to be kind of part of the band and see where where we took things. Um, and it was we were, we were laughing this morning because sometimes I tell the story. It's like, oh, it was just magic in the studio. It's like, no, it was actually really awkward sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's like, what are we going to do? And we started, it was hard to start from nothing, but we sort of found these little seeds of, of music that we'd all, you know, we created our, on our own separately that weren't quite, you know, it's not a piece, it's not a song, but you bring it in and say, okay, I, this is something I want to try with you. And we'd be able to build on that. And, um, it's yeah it's been a, a collaboration that i'm really grateful for that's that's really interesting like that because you know there's quite a world between being like being a commissioned composer with a deadline for a piece and a, a thing you write it you give the music and then you start a process from there versus what sounds like a much more collaborative very involved process and i mean it 
I'm sure it was very fulfilling. It sounds like it was very fulfilling, but yeah, dealing with dealing with failure and dealing with those awkward moments in the studio. How do you get around that kind of a thing? How do you, you know, how do you start something like that? How do you, you know, you get yeah. in the studio, you all meet, you're like, okay, we're here. Paid for the studio <laughs> time. Now what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> the clock is ticking. Right. Uh, time to go. <laughs> There's yeah. a, yeah, you're playing with these, you're sort of juggling um, different conversations and language and preferences. And and um, it's ultimately about um, trust and a certain amount of patience, but also willingness to, to have those spaghetti at the wall moments like let's see what sticks like let's just yes yes and to everything which i think is a very like Im- improv i think it's a very improv comedy kind of things like yes and yes. let's build a shirt yeah okay and 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 seeing where that goes if everyone's encouraged to kind of be their best selves or their wackiest selves and say like let's let's try it foiling wrapped around this mortal coil let the soil 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 play its simple part
how has working you've worked a lot with so percussion fairly a, a good amount with the with Izuri quartet and then also we haven't mentioned them Ataka quartet it's the yeah. other other group that you've had quite a long-standing history with mm-hmm. um and I believe you're working on something with them to be released this year so what is it different with Ataka or what is it like working with them and what if what's what's that process look like yeah the, as we, the funny thing with Ataka is that I've they're the one they're like the one string quartet that I've never actually written a piece for (laughs) (laughs) yeah we just we've done a lot of things together but I I um they've one day I'm going to write a string quintet for them I know that but the time (laughs) is not here now we've I I I know Andrew Yee um we started becoming friends I don't know five years ago when they would come over to my apartment and we would we would have we just call it painting night where we'd sit we'd like get a bunch of like either acrylics or oils or oil pastels and some canvas or paper and say like we're gonna and obviously you know bottle of wine and like some music was like we're gonna sit down and just like i don't know make some art doesn't have to be good that's not the point but just like listen to music talk about what we love it felt like this wonderful return to um you know those times when you're in college and you just sit and you're just just kind of yeah making things for yourself (laughs) um let's let's just leave it there and yeah uh, yeah. (laughs) and and so we became we started becoming really good friends and and then the quartet did a concert of so they were they were doing these wonderful series where they would um play all the string quartets by a single composer and they did that with mine and we, we said what if we actually record it and make an album we started talking about it um and what I love about them is that they 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 don't just sort of play things um, you know exactly what's on the page and like kind of res- like let's how do we do this right and perfectly I say like I want you to be yourselves like take that as be as wild as you want to can we go crazy there can it be super soft can it be not exactly um, not exactly precise or pristine but like you know very much you where can you take this music now and um, which I think they do really well with all a lot of the quartet repertoire whether it's you know Beethoven Mozart Mendelssohn Haydn they'll you know play the shit out of it like just they're not delicate yeah. with it. and um, but they can be incredibly delicate but they just push the edges in a way that I find really exciting um, and very true to the spirit I think of that music where it's not austere reverential it's it is all yes it is reverential but and 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 um they're also just fun to work with they have their own <laughs> like language with each other um just as musicians like the way that they talk about intonation or articulation there's like little shorthand comments that they share that it's just um it's delightful it's like deeply rooted in great music making and i really i don't know there's just a lot of respect there so we we did record another whole album we recorded it actually summer of 20 august of 2020. <laughs> Oh, so wow. it's been in the it's been in the can for a while. I mean, the so record also took like three three years to get out. So if anyone is like, how how do I get my music out? It's like we'll just wait a long time, <laughs> <laughs> record it, and then let it Here, sit. Let it sit. Um, and so I think that'll come out. I'm not actually sure. Maybe May. Maybe this feels right. Um, and and on that record we have. There's a piece, new piece called The Evergreen, which I feel really excited about. It's my sort of gift to a tree. Um, uh, three essays, which is kind of the opposite of The Evergreen. It's thorny and tight and, and weird and kind of this um, sort of sometimes a brief homage to Marilyn Robinson, who's a novelist. And a couple of other small pieces and then three songs. So I'm singing a version of Other Song with the quartet and a song called Anso and Cavoilobe, which is an old French song. Yeah, and you do seem to do thing. Well, you you do quite a bit of things outside of just you know writing, writing a classical ish kind of you know string quartets, piano quintets, or quartets kind of things. You you know you you produce music. You've worked with a number of artists. You have written two movie scores, from what I understand, yeah. with Josephine Decker. <laughs> Right, the same the same director. You've yeah. done two scores, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. one of those movies 
just released on Valentine's Day, right? Score, uh, the sky is everywhere. It right? did, yeah. Yeah, what, it's a really delightful film. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it yet. I, it's okay. I was looking it up, and I was like, oh, it looks interesting. But I want to watch it. Um, I don't have Apple TV, so I'll have to figure something out. Of course, it's a, but, it's. I, I really like Josephine. She's a, she's a really experimental director. That the, the first project we worked on together. Which actually, I didn't necessarily, I didn't really write, I didn't really score the film. It was, she used a lot of my own music and we talked through things a little bit. But that was called oh. Madeline's Madeline, which is um, a, a very, I will just say it's a very unusual film. Um, very, it's kind of, it's a difficult one. I think people, it, people have some strong feelings about it, but highly recommended. And she's just, um, I would just say she's a very, uh, experimental and thoughtful director who's not doesn't usually do kind of big budget Hollywood things and then the skies everywhere was was a product a, a project with a24 and Apple mm-hmm. so it had a different it's a why it's an ad- adaptation of a YA novel it's a kind of unusual yes. project for her so <laughs> for I think for both of us both of us were like fish out of water in this situation we're like what are we doing <laughs> I feel really I feel really proud of the music that I made for that there's a lot of other um uh there's like some classical music and some pop, some pop music in there so it's not entirely right. my score but it was the first like really um proper film score that I've done and and now I'm, I might be doing a, a couple of other things, but TBD. Interesting. What's is is there a different process for sc- scoring a film for you in the in the way that you did say the sky is everywhere than just like writing a piece that might be performed or is going to be performed by a specific group? Is there something? How does that work? Yeah, I think the well, the most salient difference is really the length of music if i'm writing a piece it's Uh, like you know at least five minutes long and you're controlling the whole arc of it and this was i think there were like 40 different music cues ranging from six to 55 seconds like the longest was maybe 50 seconds um and you're really writing to support uh you know a a turn in the narrative on screen or support a, a mood or to work around dialogue or to, to transition between things. I really like that. It's sort of you're serve, making music to serve another uh, another purpose or another medium. Um, it feels like it's something I like also like with my work with dance. It's like it's not really I'm not controlling the entire arc of the of one's experience. You're kind of meant to support support something else. Um, but that, and I record. I made that almost entirely myself, although I had a friend, Hideaki Iwamori, who recorded some clarinet lines. But otherwise, I, all the piano and synth and viola and voice and violin, I did, I recorded all myself in like eight different hotel rooms because I was traveling a bunch then. So I, oh, wow. I just traveled with a mic, you know, microphone and all my stuff to record and just really made it, um, made it as I went along which kind of freaked which freaked people out they were not happy with that (laughs) yeah i don't i i've been in hotel rooms before and recorded and done that and i don't think it's the ideal recording studio but i don't know if it worked if it worked it made it into the cut so yeah it did it's mostly about uh, like cutting down on any reverb so it's just yeah yeah (laughs) that is that's funny that's a way to do it (laughs) Um, you, you mentioned it briefly there, doing work with dance, which you, I believe you just recently did something with Gandini juggling and yeah, yeah. also with New York City Ballet. So mm-hmm. I don't know, you could talk about either one, both, you know, I'm curious about the differences because isn't the, the New York City Ballet was Partita for Eight Voices and then mm-hmm. was Gandini juggling a whole new piece that you wrote? Yeah, as a whole, as those two projects could not be more different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for for City Ballet, it was um, Justin Peck, who's the choreographer yes. who I've worked with before. I've written a couple of things for him at through the Dale Dance Festival, but smaller works. So we we, um, uh, but he wanted to eventually asked to 
to choreograph Partita. So it was, which is really fun. It's a piece that I, I wrote at a time when, a, I never thought anyone, I, people would really hear it. It was like, this is really just for this workshop, for this group. And we're going to have this small concert in Massachusetts and that's it. And, and, um, but I was also playing for a lot of dance classes and thinking about dance and imagining dance in my head, like sort of choreographing music the way that I would, if, you know, if I were a choreographer, what would I, what would I do? Um, so it was very exciting to get to work with, um, these great, um, city ballet dancers and some of whom I know also. Um, and then to sing, get to sing with Roomful of Teeth in the pit at the hall and, and, um, it was just a joy, but it was a piece that has already existed. I've sung like a hundred times. It's yeah. memorized. I could just like do it. And every, every night felt really fresh. And then the, with the Gandini juggling troupe, that is one of my favorite projects I've ever been a part of. And it's, um, I'm learning so much. It'll be sort of constantly evolving. I think it's meant to be a score that's never really the same. The, so Gandini Juggling is a troupe based in London, um, founded by Sean Gandini and his wife, Kati, and they're, wonderful and they partnered with the Merce Cunningham Trust to make a piece that is really a, a, an homage to Merce Cunningham who's a, for the audience is a choreographer who died a few years ago but worked a lot with John Cage and Robert Rauschenberg and and also Feldman and and a very particular era of sort of late mid mid late 20th century and um all this this a chance element to a, a lot of his work and to the you know relationship to to the music so I wanted to honor that and I made music that is never the same I'm usually usually for the piece I'm performing sort of in the back on my uh you know microphone singing viola as a little loop pedal and my laptop where I'm triggering a lot of different samples of conversations between Cage and Cunningham that come in and out other recorded sound found sound um, bits of my own music little live sampling so it's it's been a really fun project to to be a part of. To the side. To the side. To the side. And around. Through the middle end. To the side. To the side. To the side. And around. Through the middle end. To the side. To the side. To the side. To the side. And around. And around and around. And around and around. To the side. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Through the midpoint. Of the line drawn from the left side. And around and around. And around and around. And around and around. The detail of the pattern is movement. The detail of the pattern. The detail of the pattern is movement. 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 The detail of the pattern is movement.
I'd like to go back to mm-hmm. Valencia, your your homage mm-hmm. to the Valencia Orange, um, and maybe we can kind of talk a little bit about this this food thing that we mentioned at the mm. beginning. A little bit of the the oranges, the eggs. Let's. Um, I don't know if you want to describe. We have to. We have to talk about the eggs. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But could you tell us a little bit about like what inspired the orange? You know, the pieces about oranges, Mm. and then then we'll go on to the egg timers. I I wrote Valencia in 2012. I remember exactly where I was when I wrote it. It was at a friend's house in northeastern Massachusetts, in Manchester by the sea, and she had a she has a sage coal and Lorna Sai, there are two friends of mine who have a festival there and asked me to write something. I'd never been commissioned before. I don't think I got paid. I think it was just like, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't know. Sure, I would love to try and write something. And, Why not? Um, I'd written a couple of things before that, I guess. But, um, uh, I, you know, when starting a piece, I don't know. I think I find a lot of inspiration in non-musical things, like just the question of if this, I'm looking at a plant over there right now. It's like, if this plant were music what would it sound like and like immediately I can like make up like it's just comes out immediately so I thought um you know I don't know I've just been thinking like the orange is such a this beautiful complex object I would think I guess I talked about this at the concert it's stunning it's like a stunning work of art this like little fruit if you look at it like every detail like there's like full of tiny little little tiny sacks of juice like it's exquisite and he's like and it's also just everywhere and i thought what if that orange was music what would it sound like with these like sort of explosions of like i think about when you when you peel an orange and that little white dust sort of like spits out yeah yeah there's those (laughs) little bits of just like juice that just like fly out it's like fly out yeah Yeah. and it's like a mist it's like what is that as i want to make something that feels like that there was also people don't know this there's a um and uh an artist, music musician named Glasser. Her name is Cameron Mesero, but she records as Glasser. And she and I had met earlier that year. And she has a song called Design. Um, and the very first line of this song is Sweet Fruit. And we'd worked together. We just talked. Anyway, if you listen to that song and then you listen to Valencia, there's like, I, it was like my little homage to that song. So no one really knows that. But there's a very like a, cool yeah it's it's a very cool song um and then i thousandth orange which was also on that program is sort of the yes. other orange piece and of course the album with ataka is called orange but thousandth orange was thinking about um again re- repetition and the the beauty of everyday things that are humble that you've experienced before that you might look over or dismiss but like they can just keep happening if you just like pay close attention they're so beautiful and the thousandth orange that you eat is just as beautiful as the first so that piece begins with these really basic four chords that someone told me that they think it's a weezer song i was like i think it's a weezer song and like 500 other songs um this, <laughs> it's this, a lot of songs it is with those a chords. lot of songs with those <laughs> chords. um and i just wanted to present them like simply starkly nothing else very spare and then they sort of shift as you hear them in context with other other chords the strings come in and it kind of decontextualizes it and then later you hear it in this other voicing and then towards the end you finally hear it up high and then you just hear it sort of broken apart with these string pizzicato i just wanted to i like um i like repetition and return um and wanted to make a piece about that
thank you so much, Caroline, for thank you, sitting Matt. down and for a wonderful chat about a lot of different things. So, Hope we get you. to meet up again in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Relevant Tones is a production of Access Contemporary Music, a nonprofit with the mission of bringing musical creativity to life every day. Find out more at acmusic.org. For Relevant Tones, I'm Matt Dosland. Thanks so much for listening.